This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Hey, it's good to have you guys here today on this beautiful rainy day, you know? And you can, you can praise God for every day we have. Can't you? That's right. We always you know, some rain. places are very, very dry. Yeah, down south. You know, they don't really have much water around and they're mm-hmm. struggling in the midst of that. So we can thank God for the days that do rain. Well, we want to talk <clears throat> with you today just about the topic of handle with care. Handle with care. So we want to talk about. And... Um, Boy, them kids are making a lot of racket right now, aren't they? And we are glad that they are having an awesome and exciting time. Yeah, I think last week there were like 30 kids up there during this service. That's amazing. Hey, wonderful, wonderful. Shane Claiborne, who has taken the gospel beyond the streets of Philadelphia to the slums of Calcutta, India, and the war zones of Iraq, describes how God revealed himself through the homeless to him. I saw a woman in a crowd as she struggled to get a meal from one of the late-night food vans. When he asked her if the the meals were really worth the fight, she said, Oh, yes, but I don't eat them myself. I get them for another homeless lady, an elderly woman around the corner who can't fight for a meal. I saw a street kid get $20 panhandling outside of a store and then immediately run inside to share it with his friends. Uh We saw a homeless man lay a pack of cigarettes in the offering plate because it was all he had. I met a blind... That was a pretty good deal. Mm. Yep. I met a a blind street musician who was viciously abused by some young guys who would mock her, curse her, and one night even sprayed Lysol in her eyes as a practical joke. As we held her that night, one of us said, there are a lot of bad folks in the world, aren't there? And she said, oh, but there are a lot of good ones too. And the bad ones make the good ones seem even sweeter. We met a little girl who was homeless and asked her what she wanted to do when she grew up. I want to own a grocery store, she said. We asked her why, and she said, so I can give out food to all the hungry people. (laughs) We see here, demonstrated in the lives of these homeless people, that they were living beyond themselves. They were handling other people with care, caring for others. Proverbs 19, 17 says, If you help the poor, if if you're generous, you're lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. That's pretty you know, eye-opening there. God takes it personal. When, when you help. help a poor person, you know, that kind of generosity, you are lending to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Lending, use the word lending to the Lord, mm-hmm. and Almighty God will repay you. That's what he, he tells us yeah. there. And he repays you multiple times over. He really does. He genuinely does. Jesus cares to heal and to feed people, and therefore they listened to him as Jesus was meeting the needs of others. God blesses those who care for the poor, the needy, and the hurting. 
Ann Landers, she said, I am 46 years old, divorced with three grown children after several months of chemotherapy following a mastectomy for breast cancer. I was just starting to put my life together when my doctor called with the results of my last checkup and I was devastated. More cancer. My relatives had known, had not been supportive. My relatives had not been supportive. I was the first person in the family to have cancer and they didn't know how to behave toward me. They tried to be kind but I had the feeling they were afraid it was contagious. They kept their distance and called on the phone to see how I was doing. This really hurt. Last Sunday, I headed for the laundromat to see the same people there say good morning and make small talk. I was trying not to look depressed, but my spirits were really low. As I was taking my laundry out of the car, I looked up and saw a man, one of the regulars, leaving with his bundle, and he smiled and said, Good morning. How are you doing today? And I lost control of myself, and I blurted out, This is the worst day of my life. I have more cancer. And then I began to cry. He put his arms around me, And just let me sob. And then he said, I understand. My wife has been through it. And after a few minutes, I felt better. Thanked him for his understanding and proceeded with my laundry. About 15 minutes went by and in came the man and his wife. And she walked over to me and without saying a word, she hugged me and said, feel free to talk to me. Once I was where you are now and I know what you are going through. And I can't tell you how much that meant to me. Here was this total stranger taking her time to give me emotional support and courage to face the future at a time when I was ready to give up. I hope God gives me the chance to do for someone else what that wonderful woman did for me. Meanwhile, Anne, please let your readers know that even though they there are not there are a lot of hard-hearted people in this world, there are some incredibly generous and loving ones too a witness in Rockford, Illinois. Dear witness, what a beautiful testimony. I know how warm-hearted and compassionate people can be. I see it in my mail every day. Man's inhumanity to man gets more headlines, but there is plenty of love in this world. Thanks for reminding us. I'll remember you in my prayers, dear. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says, All praise, this is in the Message Bible, All praise to the God and Father of our Master 
Jesus the Messiah. Father of all mercy. God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. Somehow God, he comes beside us, along beside us, you know. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from follow. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. The world is full of lonely and hurting people, and it's also full of caring people. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. Jesus healed the sick, showed that he cared. Jesus fed the hungry, showed that he cared. Jesus met the needs of people, showing that he cared. The miracles that Jesus performed were always to meet somebody's need, whether it was healing they needed for their bodies or deliverance from the oppression of the devil or whatever it was, he was always there to, to meet needs. And he does comfort us He does through our trials so that we can comfort others in the midst of theirs. Rena Garcia, 24, is a wife, mother of two preschoolers, and a full-time nanny for two other children. She is busy, but her favorite part of the day is when she goes out to perform random acts of kindness. Random acts of kindness. Can anybody do those? Anybody can do those. Random acts of kindness. She and her husband, Aaron, are part of R-A-O-K, Random Acts of Kindness, through which Christians seek to anonymously bless other people in the name of Jesus. They have even started a website to help share ideas, www.raoked.com. Some of these ideas include... Leaving a roll of quarters at the laundromat. I wonder which laundromat they leave those at. (laughs) I was just wondering. (laughs) Paying for the person behind you at a drive-thru. Leaving grocery gift cards in mailboxes. Paying rent for a family in need. Handing out water or sports drinks. On a biking trail, when you think about it, those are some wonderful ideas. And there's all kinds of things you can do that doesn't, you know, take all your money, but you can show people that you care. You can stop and help somebody shovel snow. If you see, especially if you see somebody. Oh, what was our address again? (laughs) Just teasing. Also, you know, how many here have ever been the recipient of somebody? A random act of kindness. Somebody did something for you that just, you know, doesn't it blow you away when that happens? It's just amazing. We, we've told the story of when there's a, a family in our church who lets us go to their cottage in Nantucket in the end of fall into winter. And so we were there. It was in 2020 because the pandemic was kind of mm-hmm. still underway. And, and uh, you had to keep your distance everywhere you went. But we were in a Cumberland Farms. 
and we got a cup of coffee and a few snacks, and we were in, the, in a long line. And when the guy in front of us got to the cashier, he turned and looked at us. We were probably about six feet away from him, and he said, I want to pay for that couple's coffee and, and their snacks. And we're like, oh, no, no, you don't have to do that. And he didn't you know? know us. He had no clue. And, um, and he said, no, I, this is what I, I want to do. You know, so he paid for it and just blew us away. I mean, we cried when it went to the car. We're so overwhelmed by the love of God in that. It was just amazing. And, and then <clears throat> more recently in the last year, we had taken a, uh, we were out to eat with a couple people at two different restaurants, you know, during the course of a couple of months. <coughs> and as we were sitting there, uh, uh, one of the guys from our church, we haven't seen much of him during the pandemic, but we, and he came by and waved and said hi, you know, it was so good to see him. And, and then when we got ready to pay for our check, the waitress said, oh no, that guy paid for it. Well, lo and behold, a few weeks later, we were at a different restaurant and he came by and waved at us and said hi, you know. And again, and we weren't trying to find him at a restaurant either. <laughs> we so you know that. See where he's going now. Yeah. And it was just, it really blew us away. But we've, we've been also the ones who have done those kinds of things. And it's, it's fun either way you do it. It's fulfilling either, you know, whether you're on the receiving end or the giving end. You know, we, we're encouraging people about, you know, especially now as the weather would be getting colder and they're doing a lot of road construction to maybe get a, you know, a hot cup of coffee and give it to a policeman. But a former policeman said, they may just dump it. They may not trust trust you in these days that you're living and in. And we understand and, that, and, but and you we're can like, get them a, yeah, a card. That a would... gift card or a, or a Gatorade that's sealed or a Starbucks that's sealed, you know, like the Frappuccinos or something like that. But, I mean, it's even a great idea to have some of those things in your car that you could just bless somebody, you know, um, or pay, you know, we've, going through toll booths, we've paid for the peace, people behind us. We've, you know, done all different kinds of things. But it's just a blessing to be able to, um, you know, to do something in a way, especially if you can do it anonymously. It's an uh -huh. awesome thing. So this couple d does those kinds of things. And they hand out an... R-A-O-K business card that explains their motivation. It gives information about their church. So anytime they do these random acts of kindness, they, they leave this with them. And the assurance that there are no strings attached. They're not trying to do anything other than draw, allow God to use that random act of kindness to draw people to Christ. Um, and, and people were drawn to Christ in His ministry on this earth, not because he stood on a mountain and preached, but because he filled their needs. He met them where they were and ministered to their needs. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says, Dear friends, if a Christian is overcome by some sin, you who are godly <clears throat> should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Hmm. <clears throat> are, are, are people fragile? Hmm. Yeah. And we need to remember this. Fragile. So let's take care. When we're ministering to people in any kind of a way, you know. Uh, share each other's problems, verse 2 says. And in this way, obey <clears throat> the law of Christ. Special Olympics 
is where handicapped children compete with tremendous dedication and enthusiasm. And one event was a 220-yard dash. Contestants lined up at the starting line, and at the signal, they started running as fast as they could. One boy by the name of Andrew quickly took the lead and was soon about 50 yards ahead of everybody else. As he approached the final turn, he looked back and saw that his best friend had fallen and hurt himself on the track. Andrew stopped and looked at the finish line, and then he looked back at his friend, and people were hollering, Run, Andrew, run, run! But he didn't. He went back and he got his friend and helped him up and brushed off the cinders and hand in hand they crossed the finish line dead last. But as they did, the people cheered because there are some things more important than finishing first. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 says, Two people can accomplish more than twice as much as one. They get a better return for their labor. If one person falls, the other person can reach out and help people who are alone when they fall and are in real trouble. Hmm. Humans can't survive alone. Dr. Leonard Kammer, a psychiatrist who specialized for 30 years in treating depressed persons, said, The human being is the only species that cannot survive alone. The human being needs another human being. Otherwise, he's dead. A telephone call to a depressed person can save a life. An occasional word, a 10-minute visit, can be more effective than 24 hours of nursing care. You can buy nursing care, but you can't buy love. Hmm. Galatians chapter 6 verse 3 says, If you think you are too important to help someone in need, you're only fooling yourself. You are really a nobody. You know, Andrew, he didn't win the race, Mm -hmm. but he was a winner. And everybody cheered him on as he went and helped up. His friend. Galatians chapter 6 verse 4 says, Be sure to do what you should. And we'll remember this guy who had some handicaps his own self, but he did what he should do. Mm-hmm. He stopped and he helped a friend who had fallen down. That's something we need to remember. We should do what we should do. That's really the case. For then you will enjoy the personal satisfaction of having done your work well, and you won't need to compare yourselves to anyone else. Helping someone is a higher honor you know, than a, a trophy, mm-hmm. winning a trophy for winning a race or something or another. It's more blessed to give love than to receive a trophy. Verse 5 in Galatians 6, it says, For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Luke chapter 6 verse 31 says, Do for others as you would like them to do for you. 
So we should always keep others in mind. That's, that's the golden rule. We learned that when we were kids. You know? All right. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. All has to do, I think, with the law of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. You do. A woman with a little girl at her side showed by the cast on her arm and some scars on the side of her face that she had been in the hospital. She said to a friend, I was in the hospital because of a very serious fire. There were burns over two-thirds of my body. My husband walked into the hospital room, took one look at me and said, you're not the woman I married. He, I was going to say, is that thunder? But that's the kids. (laughs) My husband walked into the hospital room, took one look at me and said, you're not the woman I married. He left her to marry someone younger and more beautiful. Human love says, as long as you stimulate me, as long as I can be proud of you, as long as you're beautiful, I can love you. If you change, my love for you changes. Hmm. That's so wrong. It's heartbreaking. Don't say, I love you, you know, because you are so beautiful. What happens when that beauty changes? You know? So we can say something else that will continue to add, you know, wealth and beauty to our lives. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, stay away from the love of money. You know, just don't fall in love with it. Being satisfied with what you have, for God has said, I will never fail you. Now, Almighty God says that. I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? So even though humans may fail us and abandon us, God will never. Never. He never will. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3 says, Later, Jesus sat on the slopes of the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and asked, when will all this take place? And will there be any sign ahead of time to signal your return and the end of the world? And Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah. They will lead many astray. And wars will break out Near and far, but don't panic. Yes, these things must come, but the end won't follow immediately. The nations of the kingdom will proclaim war against each other, and there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this will be only the beginning of the horrors to come. Verse 11 says, And many false prophets will appear and will lead many people astray. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. I think we're seeing that in the day that we're living in now. The love of many will grow cold. I was reading an article about a lot of the horrors and the atrocities that the hostages that have faced over in Gaza, you know, and especially the young children, they were treated so badly. And, right. and, you know, the love of many has grown cold. 
people are just hating instead of caring and handling people with care. And it's, we see right. that in the day that we're living now. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. It says, Just then a religion scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? And Jesus answered, What's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? And the man said, That you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence. And that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. You dare to care. And you know, <clears throat> there's a cross back up there behind our screen there. And when you think about it, that uh, the vertical beam is loving God. As the, the vertical beam is pointing upward, it's talking about how much we love Almighty God. And the horizontal beam that runs from left to right is showing us that we love our brothers and our sisters on each side of us. It reminds us how God loves us and how we ought to love one another. Verse 28 says, Good answer, said Jesus. Do it and you'll live. Looking for a loophole, he asked. And just how would you define a neighbor? How would you define a neighbor? Have you ever thought about that? Verse 30 says, Jesus answered by telling a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, they beat him up, and they went off leaving him half dead. They cared for no one but themselves. And luckily, I don't really know if it was luck or not, but luckily, the verse says here, but luckily a priest was on his way down the same road. But when he saw him, the guy who'd gotten beaten up really bad, he angled across to the other side. He was coming down the same side of the road where there was a guy there, but the priest, he walked across the other way. Why? Because if he touched someone in that condition, it would make him spiritually unclean and he didn't want to do something that would make him spiritually unclean so he didn't help a guy who genuinely needed some help but jesus often did touch the untouchables he surely did he you know came upon someone who had leprosy who had maybe not ever been touched in years he, right he reached out and touched them uh -huh. then a levite religious man showed up he also avoided the injured man. So he also walked on the other side. He was curious, but not curious enough to get involved. Now, a Samaritan traveling the road came on him. You know, Jews never said good and Samaritan in the same sentence, did they? Mm -mm, not in those days. Because they, they, they didn't consider that true, you know? Uh, Unless it was talking to them and saying good riddance or something like that. That was just the way it was. And when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. Really, you know, there was compassion. Comes from that word, I don't know if you knew that or not, intestines. And the word compassion, they kind of come from the same source, you know, or bowels. 
what it's talking about. Sounds pretty gross, don't you think? Mm-hmm. You know, the equivalent of a gut feeling, when you say, well, I've just got this gut feeling, you know, that was talking about this compassion and all coming from the deepest part of who you are, a deep, inescapable, you know, uh, compassion was rising up in people. Uh, something happened in his gut and it made it impossible for him to walk away. But it just, there was this compassion, this gut feeling causes people, they got to do something. They've got to help somebody some way. And probably the priest and the Levite felt that same thing, but they ignored it. They did ignore it. And and we can ignore those feelings. You know, when we feel like, well, we should do something to help somebody, mm-hmm. we can ignore it, mm-hmm. you know? This Samaritan gave the wounded man, he gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. He, so he touched him, didn't he? He did. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. He gave him what they call intensive care. He really did, you know, this concentrated, that's thorough care, that intensive care. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. He dared to care. He got involved and it cost him something. You reckon we're willing to help somebody if it costs you something? Yes. Are you willing to help somebody if it costs you something? You know, well, we'd surely be thankful if they helped us in some way if we had a real serious need and it cost them a little something. Mm-hmm. It would mean so much. The Samaritan didn't help the wounded man because he deserved it. He helped him because he needed it. He saw the need. And then Jesus asked to this religious scholar, what do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? I mean, we realize that this Samaritan was not actually the next door neighbor or they had never even met before. But he acted kindly, and and the the religious scholar said, the one who treated him kindly, he's the neighbor. It doesn't have to do with physical location of where you live. Really, everybody's our neighbor if they're in need. And Jesus said to him, go and do the same. Go and do the same. And that's what he's telling us, to go and do the same. That's exactly right. People who help others are healthier and live longer. That was one of the conclusions of a team headed by Stephen G. Post, who is a professor of bioethics at Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine, which evaluated 50 scientific studies of volunteers and people who cared for others. One of the studies from Cornell University spent 30 years following 427 women who were married and had children. Researchers found that only 36% of the women who regularly volunteered helping others had experienced a major illness, while 52% of those who never volunteered had a major illness. Other studies indicated that those who volunteered their time lived longer than those who didn't. Hmm. Frequent volunteers live longer when compared to non-volunteers. 
Scientists also identified precise areas of the brain that are highly active during empathetic and compassionate emotions. These brain studies show this profound state of joy and delight that comes from giving to others, Post said. It doesn't come from any dry action where the act is out of duty in the narrowest sense, like only writing a check for a good cause. It comes from working to cultivate a generous quality from actually interacting with people. There's the smile, the tone of voice, the touch of the shoulder. You know, we've talked about before the, the word joy. He said here that there's a joy and delight when you're helping someone else. And the word joy really, if we look at it as an, an acronym of the J standing for Jesus, the O standing for others, and the Y standing for you, if we keep those things in perspective and in priority, that's what true joy really is when we do that. You're right. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 says... Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? What was that? Yes. 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 There is. It says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? And we would say yes. Any comfort from his love? Yes. Yes. Any fellowship together in the spirit? Yes. Yes. You know, the church is not a building or organization but it's a family that shares a common life goal. Really does. You know, that's what the church is. It's not just some, you know, facility where you have to go to, but this is a family. This is a family unit where we come together. That's right. Are your hearts tender with with sympathy? Yes. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Loving one another, working together with one heart and with one purpose. All the power unleashed when Christians are daring to care, to love, is more powerful than all the bombs and missiles that have ever been made. Mm. Our love can make a difference. Can. And doing those random acts of kindness and reaching out and handling people with care. There was a movie we saw years ago. It was called Sarah Plain and Tall, one of our favorite movies. And there was a lady by the name of Sarah. She lived on the coast of Maine, and she read an advertisement in the newspaper that was a widower, a man who had his wife had died, and he had two young children. And he was asking for someone, a woman, to come and to help him with his children, to become a mother to them, and to make a difference. That was the term that he put in the ad. And she responded to that. But will you be someone who makes a difference in the lives of others? Not that you have to marry somebody. (laughs) Yeah. You know. But we can make a difference in the lives of people that are in need. Some way. In some way. Somehow we can do that. In verse 3 of Philippians chapter 2, it says, Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they are doing. Listen to these words of a taxi cab driver. Because I drive the night shift, my cab often becomes a moving confessional. Passengers climb in, sit behind me in total 
And hey, then, whoa, whoa. where's Mark at? Is Mark here? No. He's already left. He told me, Pastor Ron, I'll tell you how to say that word because <laughs> you misspelled, miss said it. And now I can't remember it either. Anonymity is that anonymity. Right? Anonym. How, where's the teacher here? And it's like being anonymous, but it's anonymity. anonymity. Yes. Why Thank so, you. Why is that so hard to say? Oh, anyway, an, anonymity. <laughs> Anyhow. Let me start back over here. Passengers <laughs> climbed in, sit behind me in total anonymity, and tell me about their lives. I encounter people whose lives amaze me, ennoble me, make me laugh, and sometimes cry. But one touched me more than, but none touched me more than a woman I picked up late one August night, responding to a call. From a small brick fourplex in a quiet part of town, I assumed I was being sent to pick up some partiers or someone who had just had a fight with a lover or a worker heading to a early shift at some factory in the industrial part of town. When I arrived at 2.30 a.m., the building was dark, except for a single light and a ground floor window. Under these circumstances, many drivers will just honk once or twice and then drive away. But I had seen too many impoverished people who depended on taxis as their only means of transportation. Unless a situation smelled of danger... I always went to the door. This passenger might be someone who needs my assistance. I reasoned to myself. So I walked to the door and I knocked. Just a minute, answered a frail elderly voice. After a long pause, the door opened. A small woman in her 80s stood before me. She was wearing a print dress and a pillbox hat with a veil pinned on it like someone out of the 40s. The apartment looked as if no one had lived in it for years. All the furniture was covered with sheets. There were no clocks on the walls, no knickknacks or utensils on the counters, in the corner was a cardboard box filled with photos and glassware. Would you carry my bag out to the car, she asked. And I took the bag and then turned to assist her. She took my arm and we walked slowly toward the curb. She kept thanking me for my kindness. It's nothing, I told her. I just tried to treat my passengers the way... I would want my mother treated. Oh, you're such a good boy, she said. And when we got in the cab, she gave me an address and then asked, could you drive through downtown? It is not the shortest way. I answered quickly, oh, I don't mind. She said, I'm in no hurry. I'm on my way to hospice.
I looked in the rear view mirror. Her eyes were glistening. I don't have any family left, she continued. The doctor says I don't have very long to live. I quietly reached over and I shut off the meter. What route would you like me to take, I asked. And then for the next two hours, we drove through the city. She showed me the building where she had once worked as an elevator operator. We drove through the neighborhood where she and her husband had lived when they were newlyweds. She had me pull up in front of a furniture warehouse that had once been a ballroom where she had gone dancing as a girl. Sometimes she asked me to slow down in front of a particular building or a corner and she would sit staring into the darkness saying nothing. As the first hint of sun was creasing the horizon, she suddenly said, I'm tired, let's go now. We drove in silence to the address that she had given me. Two orderlies came out to the cab as soon as we pulled up. Watching her every move, they must have been expecting her. I opened the trunk and took the small suitcase to the door. The woman was already seated in a wheelchair. How much do I owe you, she asked, reaching into her purse. Nothing, I said. You have to make a living, she answered. There are other passengers, I responded, almost without thinking. I bent down and gave her a hug. She held onto me tightly. He gave an old woman a little moment of joy. She said, thank you. I squeezed her hand and then walked into the dim morning light. Behind me, a door shut. It was the sound of the closing of a life. I didn't pick up anyone, any more passengers that shift. I drove aimlessly, lost in thought. For the rest of that day, I could hardly talk. What if that woman had gotten an angry driver or one who was impatient to end his shift? What if I had refused to take the run? Or had honked once and then driven away. I don't think that I have done anything more important in my life than to give that woman a ride. We're conditioned to think that our lives revolve around great moments. But great moments often catch us unaware. Beautifully wrapped in what others may consider a small one. People may not remember exactly what you did or what you said. They will always remember how you made them feel. And as we think about this particular story, how does this relate to us? 
Do we let people know that we care? With just a word, with just a smile, with a ride in a car, just to help them. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, So don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged and give up. For we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. Verse 10 says, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Everyone. That's 100% of the people, isn't it? Everyone. Whenever we have the opportunity, and I think we have a lot of opportunities like that, we just may not recognize them. Mm -hmm. We may not take advantage of them. But whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to our Christian brothers and sisters. You know, as we think about it, um, I think especially that story, but the other scriptures and the things that we've shared, it inspires us to make a difference, you know, to, to handle people with care and to look for opportunities. You know, and I think... A good way to start off our day each day is with a four-word prayer. And it's simply this. God, use me today. And if we pray that prayer, that simple four-word prayer, I think we'll be amazed at the opportunities that God gives us to be used in these same ways to show people not only that we care, but that he cares You're right. about every detail of their lives. You lived next door to me for years. We shared our dreams, our joys, our tears. A friend to me, you were indeed. A friend who helped me when in need. My faith in you was strong and sure. We had such trust as should endure. No spats between us ever rose. Our friends were alike, also our foes. What sadness then, my friend, to find that after all, you weren't so kind. The day my life on earth did end, I found you weren't a faithful friend. For all those years we spent on earth, you never talked of the second birth. You never spoke of my lost soul and of the Christ who could make me whole. I plead today from hell's cruel fire and tell you now my last desire. You cannot do a thing for me. No words today, my bonds will free. But do not air my friend again do all you can for souls of men. Plead with them now quite earnestly, lest they be cast in hell with me. And I don't know if you have really thought about it very much, but there is a real place called heaven that God has made for those who put their trust in his son Jesus. And there is a real place called hell that people who have no time for for God, they'll end up in that kind of a place. So to be a good neighbor, it's not just being there, and, but it's also sharing 
what Christ has done yeah. that will make a difference for eternity. You know, there was, a, I know they used to have uh, commercials and things back when we were growing up, and, and the, the saying was, don't, don't let friends drive drunk. You know, friends don't let friends drive drunk, I think was the way it went. Well, friends don't let friends go into eternity without knowing Christ. That's right. You know, that's... Is there anything more important than going to heaven when you die? No. No. There's absolutely nothing. And the people who we care about, friends, family, neighbors, you know, I think each and every one would appreciate if we at least pointed them toward Jesus, Mm -hmm. who forgives all of our sins. And Christmas is a great time to share with people about Christ. You're right. You know, and, and even an opening statement to begin that conversation is to say, you know, I have received the best gift ever. You know, and they'll say, oh, yeah, what was that? And then you can tell them about the gift that you've received of eternal life through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That, it's that simple. It know? really is. And it's really that important. Ain't nothing more important. I've led thousands of people to Christ in my life. And I'm going to tell you, each one of them was more important than catching a big fish, harvesting a big deer, and all the other accomplishments I may have done, but to lead someone to Jesus and them experience the relationship that I have with them. And that's just simply just to be forgiven because God loves us and he forgives us all. And I think before we dismiss, we would like to pray with everyone just to reaffirm our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and allow those who may be watching online or here with us today may be praying for the very first time, you know, and asking Jesus to come into their life. There's nothing more important than that. That's right. So would you lead us in a prayer? I will. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I believe. I believe that you love me so much that you love me so much that you love the world so much that you love the world so much that you sent your only son that you sent your only son Jesus Christ Jesus Christ to die on the cross to die on the cross to pay for my sins to pay for my sins and the sins of the world and the sins of the world. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Today. Today. I receive. I receive. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. As my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. And I thank you. And I thank you. That he not only died for me. That he not only died for me. But he rose again. But he rose again. To give me victory over sin. To give me victory over sin. And a new life. And a new life. I receive that new life today. I receive that new life today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.